Hello, my name is Mark Taylor. Welcome to the Education on Fire podcast network. This show is sponsored by the National Association for Primary Education. Hello and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place where we share creative and inspiring learning in our schools. Season 6, episode 88. Hello, this is Mark Taylor and welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. Thanks for joining us again on this English and literacy season. And today I'm delighted to be joined by Bryn Llewellyn, who's from Tagdevate.com. Hi Bryn, thanks for joining us today. Hey there, Mark. Thanks for the invitation. Uh, I understand that you're based in London. Is that right? I am, yeah. Just just um, a few miles north of London in a, in, a, in a village location, which is very nice. So I get the joys of going in and out of London to perform and to play, but I also get the joy of living near the countryside to enjoy the fresh air. All right. Well, I'm further north than you. I'm based up in the delights of Wakefield in West Yorkshire, but I will be heading towards London next week for the Bet Show, the Education Show, Learn It, and a few other meetings as well. So I'm hoping our paths will cross somewhere soon. Yeah, fantastic. So can you just start, give us a little bit of a, a, a brief idea of what Tactivate's all about and, and how you got involved in it? Okay, so uh, Tactivate is all about moving and learning. It's about using physically active learning approaches to deliver English and mathematics uh, with primary age children. So the uh, the play-based learning of early years foundation stage, we want to extend that into key stage one and key stage two. Um, most schools uh, are having to deal with a very narrow curriculum in terms of uh, a focus on testing and standardization. And uh, we all want uh, improvements in standards, however, not at the expense of creativity and physicality. So I thought, hang on a moment, if uh, schools have to deliver English and mathematics, let's think about different approaches. So think tag rugby meets Scrabble or tag rugby meets countdown, for want of a better (laughs) term. Great. And your background is as a teacher, as a deputy head and and an acting head. So can you give us a little bit of background about that sort of professional start to your career? Uh, Yeah, as a a very young student, I wanted to change the world. So my first uh, foray into um, education and employment was through environmental education. So it was very much a case of I wanted to do something for the environment, through the environment. Um, And then I realised that I can't do that on your own. So I thought, I know what, I'll become a teacher and uh, try to develop that environmental awareness through teaching. And um, yeah, working in schools for about 20 plus years, mostly in the delights of uh, Bradford, West Yorkshire, uh, a few schools in Leeds and a couple of schools in London. Um, Loved it completely, absolutely, in terms of um, teaching is the best job in the world or one of the best jobs in the world. as a male in a primary school, the expectation is that you become the PE lead, which I did. Uh, and then the expectation was to become a school leader, which I did, which I loved. However, the um, the powers that be, whether or not it's DFE or Ofsted, were telling us to do things that were um, against my core values. So it was a case of, you know, English and maths. And um, sometimes those subjects such as PE and the arts get shunted one side. So um, I left teaching full time uh, to do some writing. And uh, it was during that writing period, uh, writing training programs and curriculum resources uh, that I had uh, the chance, the opportunity, the time to uh, develop Tactivate in the way that it is now. 
and as an idea, I'm, I love it, and it and it ties in so brilliantly with the fact that obviously we did PE as our season last uh, in our last series, um, and and we talked a lot in that series about how movement's important and and how just the dynamic of of the class and 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 the relationship between the the teacher and the pupils is changes when you're sort of outdoors and when you're being physical and that kind of thing. So, what was it about the the combination which really spoke to you? I guess partly from your professional background, but just in terms of of how the structure of it gets fit to, fits together and also how it then sort of works in terms of schools and teachers being involved in it? Um, when I first became a, a teacher in Bradford, there was a, the rugby league team, Bradford Bulls. They were in their ascendancy. So I'd come down from the northeast, um, totally unfamiliar with tag rugby, bull tag rugby, rugby league, um, having been raised on a diet of football, football, football. <laughs> and I was quite taken by the fact that this gorgeous game was a great leveler for girls playing with boys. Uh, and it was always at the back of my mind in terms of it's a gorgeous platform in terms of equality. Um, but then let's try to, to to hang the English and the mathematics on there. So the original games were, um, I thought they were amazing, but uh, by trial them, trialing them and running them with children, I realized that they weren't as gorgeous as I first thought. <laughs> children are great critics in a friendly way. But um, so by working with the children, the games became better and better and better. So the games now work right the way from earlier's foundation stage into key stage one and into key stage two. Uh, the best games are those that are created by children um, in terms of uh, names of games, the way they play the games, the scoring systems, the strategies involved. And some of the ideas are just absolutely bonkers. And you think, what is this child on? But you see the game in action and you know, hey, hang on a moment, this is something that works remarkably well. It engages children. Um, even the most reluctant learners get on board. They don't realise it's a maths lesson or an English lesson, maybe until halfway through or the end of the lesson. In terms of getting the teachers on board, um, yeah, that's sometimes an issue. You, you have to see it to get it. Um, so most of the ways of working with schools is they, uh, they bring me in to do an activity day and or a training session for the teachers. And when they see the games played by their children in situ, they, uh, they, they see the benefits. They see the smiles, they see the engagement and um, the enjoyment. It sounds to me as if it's therefore not extremely prescriptive. There's, there's that creativity which is involved as well if the, if the children are actually creating the games within themselves. Oh, definitely. I mean, um, as I said, I've, I've taught in primary schools for many years, from reception up to year six, uh, mostly in key stage one and key stage two. So as I'm playing the games with the early years foundation stage children, sometimes you'll see something um, just so sweet, but it, it leads on to other things by following on from the children's interests. So you can sorry, I better describe the, the the tags themselves are the building blocks. So the in the in the number system, the uh, the red tags are all the even numbers, the yellow tags are all the odd odd numbers, and the blue tags are all the operations. Um, so earlier as foundation stage, what I'll do is get the tags zero to ten, put them on the floor, and ask the children to travel in around them, ask them what do they notice, ask them to hop over one number, jump over the next. 
And with earlier's foundation stage up in a school in Durham, I just said, pick up a tag and take it for a walk. Well, earlier's foundation stage children take it literally. So they picked up the tags and took them for walks like dogs. <laughs> and then lo and behold, he had these children talking about their dogs, their tags, their numbers in terms of my dog's the same color as your dog. My dog's older than your dog. My dog's younger than your dog. My dog's bigger than your dog. Oh, and it was so, just so sweet. So you get these... Um, these uh, observations from the children, you follow their interests. Because the tags are, are, are visual and colorful and they're, they're seen in a bigger picture scenario, children are quick to see patterns that they might not see in the classroom in terms of if the numbers are on a worksheet or on an interactive whiteboard because they're spread out on the, the, the floor of the hall or the floor of the playground or, or the field, they see the patterns far, far quicker and because they're physically active, I think something, I know there's neuroscience involved, but to me it's magic. It sparks something in terms of observational skills, creativity, and communication skills. And and how does it work um, from a more sort of English and literacy point of view? I can understand that sort of, the, as you explained it, with the numbers and that kind of thing, but how does it work on, on that sort of English level? Yeah, on the English level, um, the, the number games came first, and then the English games followed it. Uh, same premise in terms of the children are asked, encouraged to, to grab tags or gather tags in different ways. So the um, in the word version, the, uh, the yellow tags are all the uh, vowels, the red tags are all the consonants, and the blue tags are all of the digraphs and trigraphs. So you can imagine the children are scavenging tags, they've got blocks of letters, they morph, merge the the blocks of letters together to make words. The words can then be incorporated in terms of making sentences, um, paragraphs, poems, etc., etc. So you obviously talked about um, sort of neuroscience there and the fact that it's sort of like magic. And, and I know that you've had some research done. So you've, I, I imagine it's sort of been created and developed from your experiences of teaching and knowing how children work, but also with that sort of research idea too. Yeah, the, um, the the first observations, the first evidence was very much anecdotal in terms of the smiles and the comments. So teachers, when we were co-delivering the sessions, would say things like, whoa, I didn't know he could do that, uh, in terms of he would never have written that in his maths book or he would never have put his hand up in the maths lesson. So obviously you've got this anecdotal evidence, but you need to get the, the data. So uh, I was connected to... Um, uh, the research or one of the research teams at Leeds Beckett University and um, they did a, a randomized control test, a gold standard randomized control test uh, as an acute study and it was fascinating in terms of going through a process whereby your um, your ideas is invest your ideas are investigated and challenged um, so it was a case of going to the, um, the research team at the end of the, the program and uh, it was like uh, waiting for your uh, GCSE, your <laughs> results, I think it was. But that uh, initial round of research that went to Nesta, Nesta gave it uh, level five, which is the highest award that Nesta could give. Tagtivate were only one of nine organizations to get that award, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, and then it's a case of the, the the research now gets linked up to other pieces of research. So Andy Daly-Smith, who did the first round of research with Leeds Beckett University, he's connecting with researchers uh, in, in Texas, in the States, uh, in Norway, 
and uh, in other universities around the world. So we're we're bringing together the the, the research and the practitioners, um, not just in Yorkshire but globally as well. And and as it as it develops, you you talked about going in and, and maybe delivering the first session so that teachers could see how it could work and and, and how it can be built on. Um, what happens in terms of of when you leave and then you I, I guess you're leaving resources, you're leaving trainings which they can then follow on. And how does that work with the creativity of the kids being able to sort of lead the sessions as well? Um, yeah, they, I'm only one person. I can I can only work with a certain amount of children at one time. So the idea is that the, the, the teachers see the games, we co-deliver the games, uh, and then we follow it up with some uh, CPD, some continual professional development. Some schools have it through one day or a series of days over the course of the year. And um, once the teachers feel confident and competent to deliver those sessions, they fly. They see the games in terms of how they are used to deliver one aspect of mathematics or one aspect of English, and then they can fire into other directions with their own ideas. And I know um, PE is an, an integral part of um, school funding these days as well, and so there have been some benefits of actually having that sort of as uh, embraced in, in one, in one organisation. Um, well, Primary schools in the UK do get access to the uh, the PE and sport premium funding. Uh, I would question whether all schools are spending that wisely um, in these days of austerity measures and budget cuts, etc. I know of a number of schools who will say things to me like, we love what you do, but we've got no money in the budget. And you'll say, well, actually, you've got this thing called PE and sport premium funding. But sadly, because of the uh, the cutbacks, they're using that money to um, to offset other areas of the budget cuts. So the pioneering schools, the savvy schools who bring Tactivate in and other move and learn organisations, they can see the benefit and they're spending it wisely because the Tactivate approach, the move and learn approach there is about upskilling the teachers because that money is not going to be there forever. And you have to think in terms of legacy and sustainability. So the teachers, by working with Tactivate, with move and learn approaches, they get that training and they get that support, whether or not it's through face-to-face support or we're going to look in terms of webinar training later on, but they also get access to all the planning documentation, the activity cards, etc., etc. And in terms of... Um, how you see things going forward? I mean, how many schools are you actually working with now? How many children have you actually affected um, so far with Tactivate? Um, at the last count, we were over 200, 212 schools at the moment. Most of them are in the United Kingdom because that's where I'm based. But we've got some um, pioneering schools who've seen what we're doing on, on Facebook or maybe on Twitter. Uh, so we've got schools on, uh, on board from Australia, uh, France, Ireland, Northern Ireland, Finland. I've got a big up Finland. I was in Finland uh, in November to uh, work with some schools there as part of uh, Helsinki Education Week. And while we were there, we uh, picked up our very first international uh, award, a global innovation award from the 100 organization. So um, if anybody's listening to this podcast and wants to find out more, check out 100.org. There are some fantastic innovations there. Um, who are looking in terms of engaging children from K-12. So uh, they're looking at creativity projects, environmental projects, global projects, and, of course, projects such as Tagtivate, 
which hopefully looks at education issues as well as health. Um, that's a fantastic resource and we'll as always we'll have all links to to that and also your web page and all your social media on the show notes so in order to make sure you can get those if you go to educationonfire.com and if you just search in the in the search bar if you write tagtivate then it will just pop up and all those details will be will be there for you and you can explore that um as 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 much as you possibly can so i mean what did you i'm interested to say what you found from having gone to another country and seen all these kind of organizations working together did it give you a sense of actually the future is bright there are people out there being creative and being innovative in terms of of how education can move forward uh very much so i think sometimes in the uk there is a sense of negativity um but within that negativity whether or not it's down to um ofsted regime which which is is hopefully going to change when you look in terms of the um the process that they're looking at now in terms of trying to encourage schools to look beyond english and maths and looking towards um changes whereby schools are actively encouraged to look at embracing creative arts etc um i think in the uk we've have been bogged down in the last four or five years um, but by going to Helsinki and connecting with educators and innovators across the world, you do realize that um, your own experiences aren't the same as everybody else's experiences. And there were some fantastic innovations there from from New Zealand, from Australia, from the States, uh, from um, Afghanistan, South America. It, it was reassuring, reinvigorating um to know that there are other like-minded souls out there who were prepared to to take a risk uh to prepare to to do things differently yeah and are there any particular ones that stand out and um, and I, I think the, the follow-up to that for me is is the fact that with with the internet being so prevalent now and the fact that so many resources are available online like you say there's only one of each of us that can come and deliver it personally but actually now with this ability to have memberships and and, and resources online and video and that kind of thing that actually as long as the content isn't very very specific to any one curriculum it actually gives anyone around the world the chance to to get on board with these ideas oh yeah i mean like the, there's a, there's a multitude of opportunities to connect with people out there and in terms of while i was in finland um working can i just go on a bit of a mazy run here about finnish education system? yeah please do yeah um everybody well not everybody there's a lot of people who really rate the finnish education system i think certain people within the uh, the dfe um refer to finland as the f word um <laughs> because it goes against the grain of what they expect schools to be like. So as part of Helsinki Education Week, I was invited to work and play with uh, teachers and children there. And when I walked into uh, one particular school, it was a case of like, I'm walking into something that is a school, but isn't a school. It was like a youth club meets something else. So it was an elementary school and working and playing with the teachers and the children, I was just so aware of the fact that these children were so switched on to their own emotional uh, well-being. They were able to articulate their thoughts and feelings and how that impacts on the behaviours. Uh, they were also the most switched on kids in terms of um, global issues and environmental issues. Um, talking with the teachers, it was a case of they they don't have a prescribed curriculum. The children and the teachers negotiate the uh, the phenomena the issues with which they want to learn. And uh, also they then think in terms of how do they want to learn about it? 
whether or not they want to learn about it through film or music or drama or whatever. The only compulsory subjects seem to be um, design technology and physical education. Let's see how it goes. But as I say, the, the, the connections with the Finnish education system and the 100 organization, there's a, an organization in London called Challenge 59. They're well worthwhile looking at. Uh, they're using dance as a vehicle for um, learning and health and well-being. They're certainly worthwhile looking at. And uh, another organization from Finland called Sepio. Um, as I say, I could list many more, many more, but uh, time is limited, unfortunately. Exactly, and we'll, we'll have, uh, like I said, all those links uh, on the show notes as well, so people can sort of work their way through those uh, as best they possibly can. So, in terms of your sort of your personal experience, I mean, like I said, you involved in schools directly for twenty something years, and and now obviously your life looks very different being outside of that. Do you? What sort of um, sympathy do you have for teachers who are still in there? And what sort of advice um, can you maybe impart in terms of, of how it can be different within the, the system, as it were, now having sort of seen it outside and, and being part of the type of organisations that can actually support teachers to deliver the education in a different way? Ah, right, OK. I mean, teachers uh, uh, have always worked hard. You know, I remember when I was teaching and being a deputy head teacher, you would get your wage slip and uh, the wage slip would say number of hours worked per week. And it was 32.5, I think, hours in those days. And it was a case of, OK, then I could go home on Wednesday morning because I've done those hours beforehand. And I think teachers have always worked hard. But in recent years, they've probably been working to tick boxes and do the paperwork that is it has no relevance to what they're doing in terms of impacting on child development. It's there because people from above say we have to do it. Um, and I say that's why I left, because I couldn't uh, live with myself for doing things that I disagreed with. And I thought my way of working in terms of supporting teachers through confidence and competence with physically active learning approaches would work. And what teachers... I don't know. Sometimes teachers are scared of new things. So physically active learning approaches might scare certain teachers in terms of, whoa, hang on a moment, you're expecting my children to get out of their chairs, to move away from their desks and learn their mathematics in the PE hall or the hall or outdoors. And sometimes teachers might be a little bit um, afraid of that because they fear that they might lose control of the class in terms of behavior. But to be honest with you, if you see the children respond to the physically active learning approaches and you see the enjoyment and the engagement with even the most reluctant learners, you realize that you're onto a winner. And the games don't have to be full on moderate to vigorous physical activity. You know, you don't have to get the sweat kicking on every single time. Uh, you could do things that involve I don't know, just a, a simple thing in terms of you finish reading the page of a book, you stand up, you move to another part of the classroom to read the next page of the book. Uh, another thing I would also um, look towards is in terms of does each child need a chair to sit down at in every single lesson? And you look towards pioneering schools such as Malton Community Primary School in, in North Yorkshire or, or Thorner Primary School in Leeds, and they have uh, standing desks. They have uh, room for children to move around so they're not cooped up like battery hens in cages with little room to manoeuvre. 
in the TEDx talk that I did with Andy Daly-Smith, we referenced Ken Robinson in terms of technology has moved on in terms of massive leaps and bounds, but classrooms generally have not moved in terms of we've still got children sat down. And the problem is that we spend so much time sitting down at school and at home that we've got massive problems in terms of increasingly sedentary lifestyles and that impacts in terms of inactivity levels and obesity levels. So maybe we're trying to get a bit of a a simple solution to uh, what could be a costly epidemic in terms of um, obesity and inactivity. For example, in the UK last year, I think the figure was £6 billion spent on inactivity and obesity-related ill health. I really like the fact that you painted the picture there about how the the breadth of, of such a, a project as this, you know, the idea that you finish a page and then you just move somewhere else to read your next page. I mean, that's mind-blowing in its simplicity in lots of ways, but it, it it's really just sort of gives you that sense of just the small things that, if if you're listening to this, you could make that difference in your classroom very, very easily. It doesn't have to be, like you say, a whole um, term's worth of English-related structured active lessons. You know, it, it can start very small and you can build into it and you can you can become accustomed to these things and make that part and parcel of, of how your classroom works. And I, I always think of it a little bit like when I think of the sort of the, the companies like Google and Apple and those sorts of things where you imagine people being very collaborative you know big open spaces playing a bit of table tennis and then doing a bit of work and a meeting around um this game or that game or whatever it happens to be I and mean, i've not been in those offices but that's sort of the impression that i get from from the kind of things that i sort of see in here and it sounds to me that you know classrooms can be more and more like that because actually when the children are given the opportunity to to, to thrive and to learn in the way that they want to within whatever sort of um, guidelines they need or support that they need um, it just changes their whole feeling about what school and learning is. And I guess that's probably the most important factor. Oh, definitely. As I say, we could do the movement and learning approaches in the classroom, on the corridors, in the playground, in the school hall. Uh, for example, I would never encourage teachers to allow their children to run around freely in the classroom. You know, there, 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 is, there are times when you can do movement and learning within the classroom, whether or not it's through um, BBC Super Movers and their their, their content, their video content, um, whether or not it's doing shuttle runs or relay runs in the playground using Scrabble tiles or playing cards. And you look at those, teachers are great at magpieing, aren't they? We know this. You see an idea, you take it, you tweak it, you twist it, you bring it into the uh, what will work well with your own children. And as I say, I look at board games, whether or not it's Jenga or um, Connect Four, and I think, how could we take that game and make it more active in terms of making Connect Four on a bigger platform in the school hall? And then how can you link it into um, into the English and into the mathematics? So there's infinite opportunities to take any any curriculum area and make it more physically active. And and for those people who who want to find out more, can you tell us exactly what the website is, but also what you can what they'll expect to find when they they actually look on the website and the sorts of things that they can sift through? Ah, we are just revamping the uh, the website as we speak and uh, fine tuning all the planning documentation. But by all means, go to tactivate.com. I sometimes think that I shouldn't have called the company tactivate.com, but. Um, there's so many twists and variations on how you spell, but it is T-A-G-T-I-V, number eight, dot com. Um, we're on there 
the website. Uh, we're on there on various social media platforms, Facebook and Twitter. So it's at Tagtivate, T-A-G-T-I-V, number eight. That's great. So, yes, please go check it out. Go go see all the all the resources that are there. And, uh, and like I say, once it's uh, been updated, then there, there'll be a whole another set of things that you can explore as well and um, and get in contact and, and just sort of and share share with us some of the things which have really worked for you. If you've actually had um, Tactivate actually within your school and, and you're a pioneer and embracing these things, it'd be great to hear from you just to see how it's um how it's supported you in, in, in your English and, and I guess also your maths learning as well. It'd be really interesting to hear. You can always contact me directly at Mark at educationonfire.com Bryn thank you so much for chatting it's been really interesting and, and, and I love the fact that um, people who have that real understanding of what teaching is all about and learning is all about and then being creative themselves to, to provide education uh, a new way forward and a supportive way forward it can help teachers and, and, and pupils learn in the best way they possibly can yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about your own background there, Mark, in terms of the drumming and the percussion and the music and the movement. Um, as I said, we, we, we need to connect with other individuals and organizations, whether or not they're schools or universities or providers. Um, so up in Yorkshire and Humberside, we've got something that has the world's worst acronym, which is YOPAIC, which is Yorkshire and Humber. Uh, physical activity knowledge exchange so they had their third annual conference at um, Huddersfield University last week and one of the central features was um, uh, Bangra or Bungra and um, there was a, a musician there playing the drum and talking us through the different dance moves and you had like 120 people there in the room all looking kind of nervous and shuffling towards the back of the uh, the hall because they were so far out of their comfort zones. But once that 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 beat kept on kicking in, and with the support and encouragement of a a lead practitioner in the world of dance, uh, you know the, the the smiles became evident. Then the giggles kicked in. Then the laughs kicked in, and people were were moving around, and the smiles on the face, the enjoyment was there to be seen. And you get it, I get it. And I just wish other people, more people would see it in terms of, you know, you don't need to sit down to learn. You can move, you can learn at the same time, you can smile. And it's not just about having fun. It does have an impact. So thank you very much for um, uh, the opportunity to share. And I'll certainly keep following your work as well in terms of what you do and hopefully connect you to other schools as well. That's lovely. Thank you so much. Yes. And, and I hope we get a chance to to, to, to meet in person properly and, and, and we can uh, chat more about this over a coffee. <laughs> OK, then. Till then, enjoy yourself. Thanks very much, Bryn. OK, bye. Do you need help and support in creating and embedding music in your school? If so, we have created Primary Music on Fire to help you with just this, a music membership site that's taking the fear out of teaching music by giving you the step-by-step skills and ongoing support you need to produce lifelong musical memories for you, your school, and your pupils. Go to educationonfire.com forward slash primary hyphen music. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.